Welcome to Dramas with a Side of Kimchi, the fangirl party every drama fan wants to join. Grab your kimchi and face masks and let's chat Asian dramas. I'm Drama Geek. I'm Carrie the Mocknick. And I'm K-Drama Jen. So today we are going to be reviewing Twinkling Watermelon, the kind of uh, sleeper hit of this year, I think. I wasn't necessarily expecting it, um, and it really captured my heart and my attention. So we are going to be um, reviewing it, and it wasn't just me. It captured all of our attention. So... Mm -hmm. Um, and also, it's one that was really popular amongst our Discord members, as well as just kind of on Twitter and random people that we met in the airport. So um, <laughs> on that note, we're going to uh, be reviewing Twinkling Watermelon, and I'll just give a quick synopsis. And this is from Vicky, but then I also added a few things because I felt like it needed some clarification. So in 2023... Ungyol is a high schooler with a passion for music. He is a coda, which is child of deaf adults uh, or child of deaf parents. And he's living in a family with two deaf parents and a deaf brother. So during the day, he is a studious model pupil. But at night, he rocks out as a guitarist in a band. When he stumbles across a strange yet alluring music store, he goes hurtling back in time to 1995. Here, he comes face to face with his father, Ha Ichan, as a high schooler. Ichan takes Ungil for, for a lunatic when the latter calls him dad. Worse still, it looks like Ichan has a crush on an icy cellist named Sekyong, not his future mother, Chong'a. In a bid to put things right, Ungil joins a band fronted by his future father. But will this be enough to help Ungil bring his future parents together? And will he ever get back to the 2020s? So that is the synopsis. I added a few things because I think it's important for you to know that he is the hearing son of mm. two deaf parents and has a deaf brother. I think that's like really critical to know going in. So I mm. wanted to add that. And also the fact that when he goes back in time and he meets his dad, his dad is not deaf at that point in time. So the question we always ask um, at the beginning of when we review a drama is why did we start watching? And I'm trying to go back to remember because the, the promo pictures and the, um, previews and stuff didn't really catch my eye even the title twinkling watermelon I'm like what is this supposed to even be about so I don't know maybe some of the like I, clips from the drama because I think I waited a week or two before I started watching it um so yeah I'm not quite sure I think maybe the actor that plays Ichan, I've enjoyed watching him in several things and so I think just a couple of clips that people were putting on to um, YouTube or TikTok or whatever, um, showing him just being so exuberant. I was like, okay, I should at least just check this out and see what it's like. And I'm so thankful I did. Cause it was, it's probably the, my feel good movie go-to favorite of 2023. So. And I'm kind of the same. It wasn't exactly on my radar, but I had heard things and I was getting things across my YouTube shorts and I was listening, listening, listening. I was clicking on the spoilers in the Discord <laughs> chat to kind of see how things were going. And I mean, it's got, um, ah, heck, I'm going to say what's his bucket. Jaehyun Wook, who was just awesome in 2521 as the best friend. And he was fantastic in Week Hero Class 1 both of which we will talk about in a little bit. And he's just like, he's the embodiment of rambunctious positivity. So he's always fun to watch. And I'm like, okay, I got to see what he's doing. I got to see what he's in. And it just, I don't know. It was just, I was in the right mood for something that was kind of high schoolish. And then it turned out that, that like the time travel was good and stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm in. So usually my answer to this would be um, K-Muse, but it, <laughs> it actually was Drama Geek mm. because she was talking about, well, this is an interesting time period. I remember her saying that and talking about, um, like, she mentioned something about going back and, like, 
hanging out with your parents, um, which I loved in the time travel drama that we watched earlier in the year. Um, the and oh gosh, which of course I can't remember the name of my it perfect romance or my, my perfect per- some, yeah my yeah, yeah there we go perfect my stranger yeah yes. yes okay and so when she said that I was like well that's interesting. And then I watched like the first episode, like the beginning of the first episode. And I was like, I, what? This is like about a family of like, and I, and, and they're dealing with the issue of the fact that like, what it's like to be a hearing child with deaf parents. I was like, this is what she's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I really got hooked. So, um, so yeah. So actually drama geek is the reason that I watched this. All right, so why should everyone else watch it? If you like high school dramas, if you like really good time travel, if you like the meeting your parents when they were young, if you like solid romances. Yes, solid romances? Yes, solid romances. <laughs> if you like good plot twists, if you like good writing, if you like good characters, should I keep going? <laughs> watch this drama. It was really good. And like, especially Ruyun, we'll talk again about him. Ruyun? I'll get it right by the end of the podcast. Anyway, he just became kind of a standout for me. And I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100%, but it really looks like he was playing the guitar and he was phenomenal. And I always love really good guitar playing. I mean, Carrie, you really like covered up, like covered a lot of the reasons. <laughs> Sorry, I should have left everything. <laughs> but I'll just say I agree. But then there's that also that um, I really love dramas that are like, the making of the band or you know like they kind of have that Mm. found family because they're a band feel um Mm. and also it felt like a found family and then you're like oh but they're actually family like Mm. literally it's a found family (laughs) so I yeah I and it just I looked forward to it every week like it was just a really nice like up until the end um it was like very I don't know it really it fully kept me intrigued um kept me guessing but also like I just loved seeing like this idea of going back in time and like hanging out with your parents it just it it really hit me so yeah that's why you should watch so without any spoilers seeing Ungul with his parents and the dynamic of both of those it's meme like memeable like there's there's there was definitely some things going around about the way that he interacted with both of his parents (laughs) that was just so wholesome and so funny and um I I just love his character with with them and and their whole relationship and my perfect stranger did a really good job as well of like that that idea of if you were back to go back in time, would you be able to like be friends with your parents? And, and they do such a good job where, you know, whether it, it transcended friends, it really ended up feeling like they were a family back then. And the two just didn't realize it. <laughs> didn't know <laughs> that that's what it was, but it so was that much. So I think just the delight that this drama will bring is why you should watch it. And just so you know, for patrons, we already have a plan. It just didn't work in the schedule to release this as a regular episode, but we know like we do want the broader audience to like, if they haven't seen this drama to be able to be introduced to it. So we probably will release this as a wider release later on in the, the, the release schedule, just so that more people can kind of know about this amazing drama but for now it's a patreon episode because of scheduling. Say, <laughs> if you want to watch this drama go to vicky that is where you will find it and now spoilers 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 <laughs> we are going to be mentioning different scenes and different characters and so um go ahead go watch and then come back and listen so here's my question if you could invite one of the characters to dinner, who would it be and why? And I'm going first. And I really <laughs> thought about this. Um, for me, it's grandma. Oh, I want her to cook me dinner. <laughs> I want her to make me dinner. I want to eat her food. <laughs> and I just want to like, oh my gosh, I love her so much. I just want to like 
hold her hand and put my head on her and just like and eat her food she'd probably smack me but (laughs) her food and just be in her presence because i loved her so so much heck now i have to pivot and she was the only one i thought of (laughs) she was just like because she would be so much fun to talk to yeah. And she was so open and kind with Chong Ah, even though there was the whole listening bar- barrier. And so, yeah, she was great. But since I have to pivot and pick someone else, um, I would actually go say Kyung, not say Kyung, her daughter, the uh-huh. one right, so, you un, know, Unyu, Unyu from yeah. 2023, because she was just a firecracker. I know she was depressed and I know she was looking for like the most obscure way to end her life, but she was just dynamic and she was invested in the band and in their development and she was funny. And so she could be a lot of fun at dinner. And if I have to eat dinner with somebody, I'm going to eat with somebody who's going to be fun. I'm cheating, which I can do. Um, I'm inviting <laughs> myself to grandma's uh hostel what is like the the oh the boarding house yes yeah boarding house boarding house i'm inviting myself to the boarding house um (laughs) and then we're also inviting everybody else (laughs) because i the those scenes the dynamic of everybody being there and Haimoni being able to like take care of everybody knowing Mm. that a lot of those people were either away from their homes in college or, you know, doing whatever. And she just like was able to like give them all this feeling of a home and security. And especially like if I had to pick one person, it would be uh, Chunga by herself. But being able to invite her with me over to the boarding house and letting her have that part of like seeing the family again and like that family aspect and just enjoying it and how they were so rowdy and oh you know talking over each other and like making fun of each other and the uh, the is it his cousin or his uncle with the longer hair their interactions and stuff oh, I can't cousin, remember. yeah <laughs> yeah it was his cousin okay it was his cousin well but it was the other guy's uncle right so it was his it was his brother was it his brother I don't know it was, so no, it was, it was cousin, his cousin he, he called him I think he called cousin. him yeah but I think the young the the son might have called him uncle in his head and, and because of that relationship I don't know there's like anyway it's hard when you have uh, a, a <laughs> your child back in time with you before you've had them so sometimes the relationships get a little bit squiggly but that whole boarding house and just everybody kind of interacting with each other and that that boisterous like atmosphere was just so much fun all right, <laughs> which of the band members would be our bias? And I can't even, I don't even know the guy's name, but every time they would do the little like um, scenarios or whatever, he would have long hair. So whichever one that was, I can't remember. <laughs> like, I can't remember which one, because again, like, oh, I don't know. Anyway, whichever one of them always had the longer hair when they would do their little fantasy scenarios or whatever, that's who I would <laughs> okay then (laughs) and i'm actually gonna go with spine nine since it was also a band in the trauma that's true oh and had had a had a what was his ho from icon yes and he is my icon bias so you know two birds one stone it's done (laughs) (laughs) well i would say for me it's um because his like guitar playing was just mesmerizing Mm-hmm. And so um, he'd totally be my band bias. Like if we were, and in, even though um, Hani Chun is the one who's like uh, the front, you know, the front man re- mm-hmm. who's doing mm-hmm. things. Um, I just, yeah, I really appreciated the guitar playing. So that's why he's my bias. Oh, that's fair. I'm glad I left him for you. You're welcome. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what was your favorite musical moment? And I would have to say, anytime Ungyol picked up a guitar, from the time he was learning, through the time he was busking, through the time he was becoming the main force behind Watermelon Sugar, just the whole thing, him with a guitar was just kind of magical. And I really loved how the, how we got to see his development, how it related to his dad and everything. But just him as a musician was a lot of fun to watch. 
I really enjoyed, uh, we're in the spoiler section, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed, um, Chan's song that he did mm-hmm. for Chang'a toward the end of it, where he did the sign language along with his song and how much time and effort um, that went into that. I really enjoyed that um, with, and then I also really enjoyed uh, one, one yeah. musical moment. You get okay. One. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's, it, that's it. That would be it. Well, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hey, Muse isn't here, so you actually probably can do too. Right? No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to break the rules, we can break I, I broke the rules cool. already. We'll keep it to one. That would definitely be one that sticks out to me. So we'll leave it at that. All right. <laughs> Mine was when they were, uh, they came to the school because they were looking for Ungil and they, oh, yeah. um, and they said, like, made up the song to, like, you know, woo him back. I that loved was it. Fun. That was that so was fun. That was fun. So I really enjoyed that. Oh, Joe McKeek, I want to hear your other musical moment though. <laughs> I was gonna say I really enjoyed the moments with the um the grandfather at the beginning when he was teaching oh. him how to play guitar mm-hmm. and he was like mentoring him and everything. I and and how much like that was kind of like this lifeline for him. I really loved their interactions. And I love that that actor is really embracing just taking on some really more varied characters and everything and not always pay- playing like the the evil guy or the CEO or the you know chapel father or whatever <laughs> he was real yeah. fun in this yes he was so what was the biggest surprise or reveal oh gosh um I was actually surprised that it was the daughter um when that happened when that whole reveal happened i was like oh because she came back and like cut her hair and all that and um at least for me i was like oh that makes sense and (laughs) that that she was time traveling too i was like oh it kind of it made me feel better that he wasn't just there all by himself so that was for me probably the reveal trying to think because this one wasn't too big on like lots of big surprising reveals and everything maybe just how deep and evil her stepmom ended up being like I knew she was bad but like just Mm -hmm. it that was oh yeah the the closet and locking her in there and the years and years of drawings and everything that was that was definitely surprising at how bad she really was Mm mm-hmm and then to get arrested for like tax fraud and yeah. embezzlement and like, wow, not a stellar character. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my biggest surprise, I have two, but one of them I don't want to say because it was like the best kind of surprise. So the reveal of who the guy on the phone was at the end. Oh, I think yeah. That, that should stay. We shouldn't spoil that. But the also finding what? out that Chong Ah was actually from like this big family in music. Like, because in the beginning, you know, the mom is just, oh, we don't talk about my family, you know. And so you just figure, you know, she just had kind of a normal childhood or whatever. Then to find out that, you know, her dad's the CEO of this giant music company. And like, she was kind of a chable in her own right and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You're like, I was like, that is not the background I expected for her. So that was, that was a big reveal for me. Okay. So what was your favorite family moment? Um, I think I've already alluded to it, but. Definitely the like the meal they have where after Chang'a is like rescued from the household and she's staying over with them for a little bit. Mm-hmm. All of those like the Haimoni taking care of her and interacting with her, but most like that the the whole group of them all just kind of like coming together and taking care of the people that needed to be taken care of. I just loved that feel that the drama had. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, the, those scenes after she was rescued, when she was at the boarding house were probably my favorite. And when grandma was trying to teach her how to play go. Right. <laughs> That's That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. fantastic. That's why I love grandma. She taught her how to gamble mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite family moment is actually kind of an odd one, but it's when chong dad comes home and he realizes what the stepmom's been doing and he tears mm-hmm. the wallpaper away from the mm-hmm. storage room. Yeah. And finally just 
sees the truth of what she's been going through because he's been I wouldn't say he was willfully oblivious, but he was definitely being just ignorant. And so to to see him not only understanding what she's gone through and then apologizing, you know, because he kind of did try to help her. He bought her the fax machine and whatever. But to truly understand and to make things right and then their connection at the end when he's like, well, do you want to come on my business trip with me? And he like signed it to her mm-hmm. and just her smile at the end that Ungo promised that the dad would see. And I was just like, that that was probably my favorite when the dad realized what was going on and then he made up with her. I think he was definitely um, from the moment of like realizing that he couldn't help her as a young girl. And then he kind of just closed off and decided to let somebody else take care of it. And then didn't allow himself to really think beyond that. I think it was a choice to not try to like, probably as a protection of his own feelings. But I think that thankfully his grandson coming into the picture and being like, Hey, you need to get your, your head out of your turtle shell and start paying attention to what's going on around you. I really enjoyed the way this drama showed the family um, in the, even in the beginning Mm -hmm. of just what a beautiful, strong relationship they had. And so like when they were out like playing in the snow and, you know, Mm -hmm. like it, I really appreciated that they really portrayed them as a very like fulfilled and um, normal family, typical family, but with a, with parents that really loved one another and that the, you know, the brothers had a strong relationship. It just, it made me feel good. um, And it really set us up for like what he was fighting for. Um, in addition, like why he was so upset when this cellist is, you know, like moving in on his dad, you know? So, <laughs> um, so th- I, I really loved that because of, first of all, I enjoyed th- like seeing them as a family, but then also it, it gave us like a good sense of like that relationship that they had and what they built together. This writer also wrote Moon Embracing the Sun and Kill Me, Heal Me. If you've seen those, would you recommend those dramas as well? I wrote this question. So so the reason I bring it up is because, you know, sometimes there, I think there's like different sort of like, I don't like almost like generations of listeners who like, and Mm -hmm. it kind of like we, like there was a group that, that like old school, like me, right? Like the boys over flowers you know big hair they came in during that time and then we have like this group that came in because of goblin so that would be like carry them (laughs) drama geek was like in between those two things so i'm not right right mine was like who family book and uh uh uh, moon and break not moon like uh what was uh sorry uh moonlight drawn by clouds no that was way after um the ghost and the we've got anyway flower flower boy if shout out flower boy but i'm i'm having a, a oh, i'm yes. having a pair oh, yeah. i'm having a perimenopause moment. <laughs> we were just <laughs> discussing this i'm so like it's so aggravated shut up flower boy band the mm-hmm. um the whole flower boy series so like flower boy ramen shop like uh, that's yeah. really when so i started pillar. watching yeah, yeah was all yeah pillar all of that that's like when I started watching and went from there so and went back and binged almost all of the classic stuff at that point so I feel like even though I didn't start watching in early like 2009 2010 well I started in 2013 so you know like anything you went I watched most of it yeah I I, because you know I had time and I binged a ton of stuff and so then there's like the pandemic walk the watchers mm-hmm. who came in because of crash landing on you. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have mm-hmm. like these different. So I like to bring up some of these older dramas because I do think that um, there's a, a lot of people out there who may not be as aware of, of these dramas that were really at the time, especially like some of those that sort of launched careers for other people. And so Moon Embracing the Sun is definitely one where if you go back and watch it, 
you will see like younger versions of some of the top stars because it was so good. Um, so I just, yes, I highly recommend it. And Kill Me, Heal Me um, was just super fun. And, um, you know, Park Sejun was in it and did such and a I was going to say, there mm-hmm. is a meme of that. I think <laughs> even if you haven't watched that, you've seen the meme. And it's Jisung and calling him Opa. And <laughs> you've seen it. <laughs> so, anyway, so yes, I would recommend those dramas. If you haven't seen them, go watch, you know, go see their other work. And she also wrote Chicago Typewriter, which I've seen twice oh. and loved. And it gives yes. you a good sense of Korea during the occupation, during the Japanese occupation, and mm. just kind of the revolutionary spirit of the time. So I'd highly recommend that as well. Yes, I'd forgotten about Chicago Typewriter. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that this writer did all of that. And now I'm like, wow, they, they're really versatile. And mm-hmm. they're good at... Now, Moon Embracing the Sun, I will admit that... I was a little disillusioned when the cast switched to the older crowd. So though I think I finished it, I can't be a hundred percent sure that I finished it. Um, but kill me, Hill me Chicago typewriter. And I'm sure there's probably more cause that that's a wide gap between kill me, Hill me Chicago typewriter now. But, um, yeah, I would definitely in, and moon embracing the sun, I think is one just like K drama Jen said that, um, watching it and seeing all of the who's who in it um and the the performances by the younger cast and and the that time of uh saguk dramas definitely had a really long time where the younger cast was in it and then the older cast would take over they don't do that as much anymore um but <clears throat> all of the people that were in it were is worth it's worth checking out and seeing and kill me heal me is is one that you might not be able, you might like the female lead, you might not, but it all of Ji Sung's iterations and <laughs> Park So Jun's character and all of that. It's you just it's worth it. It's worth mm-hmm. it. And Chicago Typewriter is one of my favorite. I love yes. I love that drama. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brings me to tears every time by the end. Anyway. All right. So Ro- Ray Yoon. <sighs> Ray Yoon. I think I'm saying that right. It's the closest I'm getting. Who played Ungyo? He's relatively unknown. And what did we think of his performance? So I had to look it up, but I realized that he's actually the son in um, 18 again, which is hard to get. I had to actually buy the DVDs for that one, but I was really glad I did. And he was good in there. He was in Through the Darkness. I don't know if he had a big part because I didn't finish that one. And he was in Secret Romantic Guesthouse too, which I did not watch. But anyway... I just, I think we all agreed he was a little stiff in the first couple of episodes, but then after that, he warmed up and he was just charming. And he did such a good job of being, you know, the loyal son and a solid friend. And like we were talking about that video about how he treats his parents when they're teenagers and he like (laughs) cherishes his mom and then he's beating up his dad the way siblings (laughs) do. And just, just, he was, he was able to really step into this role. And once he got over kind of the stiffness and I, I don't feel like it lasted very long, yeah. but once he got through the stiffness, he was just, he felt very natural. And I think a lot of what he did brought that found family feeling out because he was the heart of it. He was bringing everyone together and taking care of people. And so I feel like without him, I'm, I mean, well, I won't say without him, the drama would have fallen, but he really was an essential part of the chemical chemistry makeup of the drama. And I think he did a really good job. I'm looking forward to what he does in the future. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that um, he, I just loved how he was able to portray this like boy who is just so desperate to make sure that his family um, stays intact, number one. But also, once he realizes that in the past his dad can hear and that he loved music, he becomes obsessed with this idea of like saving him from a future where he is deaf. And it's so, um, it's like almost an obsession where he's constantly looking out for him and, you know, and there's a lot of like comedic moments because Mm -hmm. of that as well. Um, but I just thought he did such a great job of like 
being like that, but also you get almost like this brotherly thing with his dad. <laughs> and then the way that he is so protective of his mom. Um, I just, and then also he had great chemistry with um, the woman, with uh, Solana um, who played, I don't know what her, I want to say the, anyway, the female lead for this. Uh, <laughs> his love interest, but I can't remember <laughs> what her, her future name was. Mm-hmm. So um, the cell, the daughter of the other cellist. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I agree with you about the, you know, the a little bit stiff in the, the beginning, but I think what really, when it really started like solidifying is when he was fully with all of the younger cast. Yes. And so when he was with all of those actors and everything, he really just kind of melted into his part and was just that like driving force behind like, the happiness and the joy and like I didn't mention it on some of the like our favorite music scenes but I think that anytime he was on stage with his father like there was just like this exuding of like so happy that he was able to spend that time and, and experience that with him and he was really good at just bringing that and also like the fierceness that came out in him when it came to his mother and having to deal with the people that were treating her awful um and the exasperation that he had with his dad and we'll talk about his dad in a second but like (laughs) he just did such a good job and I think it really like he really just kind of came into his own when he was working with the younger cast and all of the the scenes and stuff that that came from that so I am very much looking forward to uh, you know roles that he has in the future. <clears throat> All right, so now we're going to talk about his dad. And um so Hani Chan, the younger version is played by Che Hyun Wook and he has been in Racket Boys 2521, um We Kiro Class and he did a phenomenal job in all of those. Um and what do we think of his performance? <laughs> He's funny because he did such a good job that I was just as exasperated with him <laughs> as his son. Like I was just like, oh my gosh, stop worrying about the girl that you're not going to end up with. <laughs> Get your head on your shoulders. But then he was so good at having those moments where he would say something about like, this is going to be the last time I'm playing because I need to start being responsible. I have to take care of my grandma or he'd see a kid on the side of the road and he would do it. And he was such a good, like it would call back to, and which gives props to the older actor. I have to say he was actually one of the best at, he really showed a lot of emotion and connection with his sign, the sign language Um, and the older actor, not that the other Mm -hmm. ones didn't, but like he just, so the younger actor was able to show that like super annoying eight to 17 year old. And I have him in my house so I could say it, like <laughs> where, but he was just extra. He was even more extra than my children, but like, he just was like, ah, but then he always had those moments and the actor was such a, did such a good job at giving you glimpses of who he would become later in life. He did a really good job of like grounding those moments and making you look, okay, I get it. Like the, you can see the connection of what he grows up to be. Mm. I am such a fan <clears throat> of Asian Wook. I think um, I just remember like in Racket Boys, I was like, okay, like he really, you know, and then we had 25, 21 and I was like, interesting. I'm going to keep my eye on this person. And then in Week Hero class, like he really blew me away. Like I really was so like taken in by his character. And so seeing him in this, where he gets to be like just that super like sparkling, bubbly, like just um carefree 17-year-old boy, like with all of, but also angsty and just like all of the things that come with it. Um, I loved it. And I just thought that he really, as you pointed out, um, Drama Geek, like moments of just like silly, stupid, like 
teenage boy stuff and then really like poignant moments meaningful moments that gave us a glimpse into who he would become i loved it i just thought he did a great job and i don't care that he dropped (laughs) you know dirt (laughs) on the ground and didn't pick it up right away or whatever yeah Uh, he was vilified in the you know social media for that and um and he had to like apologize and all kinds of stuff because because netizens but um i yeah i don't think that that should ruin a career i just think that um and his acting was really really good mm-hmm. pretty much same i think for me because i didn't see racket boys but in 2521 he kind of like you get part of him in 2020 2521 the goofball side and then weak hero class one, you get the protector and the strong one who's just got the confidence. And I think he kind of combined them both for this role and then added on the teenage boy stupidity. And he just he did a really good do- job. He's charming. He's charismatic. And he's just I mean, like he was loud in the drama, but it was the kind of loud that I know to expect from teenage boys. And it was just mm-hmm. so perfectly done. He was just a lot of fun to watch. So we have Sol in awe. She was the best friend in business proposal. She had the steamy kisses with the the glasses <laughs> guy friend. <laughs> with that Superman kiss where he took off his glasses. Yes, yes. Oh, uh, yes. Yes. She was great in that. All right. So did she pull off the two roles in this drama? And was she a believable high school student? I would say with the two roles, yes. She did a great job of being the ice queen and then the really friendly daughter who's kind of keeping up with what her mother's supposed to be but kind of not because she's too much herself and then as a high school student um yeah i i I thought so i mean she wasn't really in high school she attended what like two music classes and then (laughs) ditched the rest of the year right (laughs) she was busy living in her tent in the living room it was fine (laughs) but no i thought she did a really good job i thought she handled her role just fine I, I thought the same. I actually was surprised that to realize that she was the best friend in business proposal. Um, and it wasn't until I was looking up her actual the actress name and I was like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah, I didn't recognize her because I, I recognized her like, oh, I've seen her before, but I didn't connect it to that drama uh, because she appeared so much older and more like I don't know worldly and you know um and here I thought she actually did a very very good job of playing both like the um private school-ish cellist who was very you know just doing what her mother told her to do and then like the clearly that American influence like she was super bubbly Mm -hmm. and outgoing and all of that so yeah I thought she did a great job I felt like she embodied the two different characters well enough that as soon as they started, they showed her, you know, like after she cut her hair and different things, I, I wasn't surprised. I w- I actually was like, okay, that has got to be her daughter. Cause like, she was so different from the other for her, from her mom's attitudes and her mannerisms and all that kind of stuff that I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm assuming that that's her daughter who's traveled back in time or whatever. Um, and What's funny, this has nothing to do with her acting, but I was so relieved when she took the tent down at the end and took it with her because they didn't do a lot to make it really, really feel like 1995. I feel like there wasn't a lot of time spent on like the clothes everybody wore and different things. Um, But I kept getting confused of like, was a tent like that really popular in 1995, especially with the little lights on the front? (laughs) It was such an odd like time frame thing but it just kept bugging me and then she she packed it up and took it with her in her bag that she had brought with her when she was traveling to begin with before she time traveled so I was like okay that that makes sense (laughs) but I really enjoyed her character I felt like um I loved that the little things you you were able to see to begin with that her mom was a decent person even before she showed up and then she just kind of stepped into the role and, and I would, her relationship with the different people and everything. I just loved how she just kind of, she just went with it and she was just likable and 
really nice to everybody. And I thought she melded really well with, with everybody else. So Shin Eun-soo, she played the youngest younger version, like so back in high school. So this actress was in Legend of the Blue Sea and that drama that shall not be named, although our listeners who are newer are always like, which drama is well, that? <laughs> it's it's uh, kind of a hard name to even remember. Fala, dola, sasa, la, 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 do, do, do. Okay. <laughs> that one. Hmm. Um, although I don't really remember her in that, yeah. but I have kind of, mm-hmm. you know, put that drama out of my <laughs> like the Voldemort of dramas. So, um, <laughs> and so, uh, will you be seeking her out in future dramas? And so, um, it's interesting. I think that she did a, a very good job with the role that she was given. She had to be very expressive with her eyes and she had to you know because she couldn't speak although we got like a voiceover kind of piece to that um it it presented a challenge and i actually do think she did a good job with this um and i think because of that because it was so specific in this drama like she had to portray it a certain way i am curious um if she will, because she has like those doe eyes that, you know, like she's always like looking, blinking as if she's like a new fawn or something. And so <laughs> I'm curious to know if that will carry over into other dramas. And I haven't seen her in enough um, to see if she, if she has more range or not. Um, so I'm, I will seek her out because I'm curious about that. Agreed. I, I felt she did really well with this, um, with this role. And I, her scenes with the actor that played her son, I loved their interaction and hopefully they will never be paired up as a couple because that would just be like weird, but <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they had, they had good enough chemistry and she, her scenes with, um, the father, they were also really good. So I think that she showed a lot of potential. I think that this was probably, I think for a lot of her and the son and some of the other characters, probably a pretty challenging role that they had to, to spend time to be able to prepare for it. But they, but she did a really good job. So it's one of those where if she's in a drama, I will definitely be keeping my eye on her to see kind of what she is able to bring to other parts that she's given. Um, same. <laughs> I, can't, I can't expand on that too much. I I seriously do not remember her in Dodo So So La La So. Yeah, I don't either. So, and but, I don't I don't remember who she played in The Legend of the Blue Sea either. So, yeah, she I'll had have to have been young for that. Yeah. It was a child role like a yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So, did this kind of time travel work for us and how does it compare to other time travel dramas this year? Um, so this one is one where it definitely um, didn't have to have any of the scientific possibilities or any of that kind of stuff or the time loops or, or any of that. You didn't have to think about any of it because it really was based more on like a magical system or a, or a guardian angel type system or whatever mm-hmm. so it was definitely a, a a door into the past you do what you do door back things change boom bomb like <laughs> it really wasn't <laughs> wasn't too complicated and they you know they keep things to where yes you might have some questions at the end of like well then how did this happen and how did that you know how did they but not too much and I think that there were a couple of uh, visual cues that kind of f- filled in some of the blanks that people like they train, you know, translated some of the things that you looked at and it answered some of the questions of just, you know, like how did they, the mom and dad come together later on and all of that. So I, I felt like the time travel worked. It's actually this type of tra- time travel can be one of my favorites because again, it just doesn't create a lot of people scratching their head. It's, it's not the biggest, like the how is not the biggest part of the story. So you just don't have to think about it too much. Yeah, I agree. Because in My Perfect Stranger, I think we were driving ourselves a little nuts trying to figure out the rules for it. 
Well, and they'd be trying to, they have to go back at the, they are going to go back again at the end to fix it. So it's one of those, it's, it's when you don't have it, just a one and done, it can mm-hmm. make your head scratch a bit too much. <laughs> yeah. And how did the mechanism, what, how is it created in the first place? There's no question about all of that. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yep. This one, it was kind of magical realism in a way, because like yeah. they didn't, they weren't automatically set into equal situations or equal places. In fact, I love the fact that Ungyol, he only had the money he had on him that he, and it didn't work because it wasn't the right Korean currency. <laughs> right. But then um, Yu, she had all her U.S. dollars. And so she was rolling. It. I mean, there is an explanation later on which we're not going to touch on but you no, know we're not there was a little favoritism was going there, on there <laughs> there was but, <laughs> it was just it was fun i think it was a mm-hmm. fun kind of time travel because of the way that it was framed and who was in charge and i think yeah. i think i would definitely watch this kind of time travel again yeah. i agree i think that it really allowed us to just focus on the story and not like this like pseudoscience or anything like that like this was a like i just accepted that this was a magical way that they came back and i wasn't quite sure like how their actions might affect the future i was a little like oh okay um and also i just kept thinking about like korean society um and i know we're we've decided we're not going to really talk too much about the ending so um i will just say that like i feel like it would have had a different ending like maybe even at a different time in korea um and certainly like in the u.s um at a different time in particular but as far as other time travel like my perfect stranger of course is the one that i kept comparing it to because in that drama they go back in time and the you know one character gets to interact with her parents um it felt similar in that sense but also it was very unique because um well we didn't have like a serial killer or anything so um but it worked for me i really i really loved it and i loved the fact that there were two time travelers so that also made me realize like, okay, it's likely not going to be like a dream or something like that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they wake up and especially Chinese dramas these days, right? It's either a yeah. writer who is revising their script or it was a dream because they, <laughs> they can't really do time travel. So, um, yes, so it worked for me. Okay. All right. What did we think about the way deafness was addressed in this drama? And how does this compare with other shows that have characters with disabilities? I thought it was handled really well. I liked seeing the two different perspectives. So you have the original family Ungyo grew up in where, you know, they just, they, within the family themselves, being hearing or not hearing didn't make a really a difference, except for the fact that Ungol would be the one that would be saved in a tr- dramatic situation because he's the voice for the family. Which, okay, now that I think about it, that puts a lot of burden on him. But anyway, <laughs> but then you see the discrimination they faced because they were deaf. And then to see it like the stepmom in the past, like just deciding that Chungal must be faking or something and trying to get her to speak and banning sign language. And just so seeing how not trying to connect affects a, a person who is deaf. And seeing the consequences of that and then seeing how even the simplest efforts, like our favorite grandma and how she just, you know, she was trying. There wasn't a whole lot they could do until, what, didn't Yi Chan make them that chalkboard table that they could kind of go back and forth? Yes. Yes. And so, like, just the little bits to reach out and try. I thought it was handled really well, just showing the both sides of handling someone with a a disability and how just trying to connect even counts and it's better than ignoring it or trying to pretend it doesn't exist that stepmom made me so mad i i mean i know she was supposed to but she made me so mad and compared with other shows that have characters with disabilities um well it's definitely more prominent than the plot synopsis led us to lead the initial one not the one that k drama corrected because they didn't and, mention it in the first season yeah 
And so I'm kind of wondering why they hid that because other dramas are kind of open about it. I'm trying to think, like, did you have a dramas in mind specifically? Because all of a sudden I'm drawing a blank. Well, I was just thinking about, you know, actually, I mean, really through the years, right? Korean mm -hmm. dramas that have um, characters who may have a physical or other disability, um, they are there have been different ways that they've portrayed them. And so more recently, I think they've done a bit of a better job. Um, but, you know, I'm even thinking of like way back with um, that winter, the wind blows, a character is blind. Um, mm -hmm. And because of that, she's really taken advantage of um, in some, well, anyway, I'll just say that I think that Korea has come a long way in addressing characters with disabilities. But I think um, I'll just share a little bit that I think in this particular one, they did a really good job of like, as I had said before, like celebrating the connections within this family and just show, I mean, on the one hand, showing the discrimination they faced, which, um, isn't inaccurate like from the reading I've done and from talking to people um that you know people who are who with deafness um it certainly they do face discrimination in housing in job opportunities and so on and so um I I appreciated that they highlighted that but I also loved that the family was so full and and just a whole family um, mm -hmm. they that loved one another. And I like that they showed that. Um, so I actually thought that they did a really good job of showing, like, in this case, um, portraying that. And they, they, it felt real. It didn't feel like, you know, like they were, we didn't just pretend that it didn't exist. It really is a big portion of like, it's a part of who they are, but it wasn't portrayed as a negative part of who they are. And I mm -hmm. really like that about this. One of the things that um, just conversations in the Discord server and just overall of the him thinking that he was sent back to help his dad prevent the accident from happening and um, make it so that he would be hearing and treating it like it, he, you know, it was something that needed to be fixed. So in his defense, like for, for him seeing that, that he might be able to prevent something like that, that would help his dad have access to things and not be discriminating. It's like, who wouldn't want to try to at least, you know, prevent the, and just in general being in an accident and all of that. Cause he knew that it was something like that. Um, but the solution and, the resolution of like coming back to the future and everything ended up being more that it, the mother not having access and um, avenues where, whether it be school, so not having any, any help or, or people, you know, allowing there to be something that, so she could be able to interact with other people in her own family with her friends, like just the little, like the differences of like, his friends ended up being something he never t contacted or communicated with after the fact, just because it, you know, he, it just it felt bad about it and just reminded him of, of the past. But when, when he comes back to the future, after the changes are made, they're over there just interacting with her. And it, it started back there in the past with the son, like bridging that gap and being able to show of like, it doesn't have to, it didn't have to be stopped that he had, you know, the, the accident, but that how much their lives were changed when she was allowed to have these certain things and then became an advocate for other people within the society. And there's, you know, a couple of like lines that she says and things that, you know, like, and like I was saying in the descriptions of like where she went to school or he went to school and stuff that had to be like it, people translated those and everything and the awards that she had won she 
took what her son helped her helped her with in the past and then went and and made it easier and better for people to have more access to then be able to it was it, to have that in society so it's the problem wasn't the deafness like you were saying it was what society helps you have access to and and the things that make it easier for everyone especially for people who, who have disabilities that just this or that would make their life so much easier. I think that was a big part of the final arc of the story of when they come back and the things, you know, his dad had the accident and all of that, but it was completely different because of the things it mostly in her family and in her access that changed their future. Hmm. So, yeah, so that's the final question. Were you satisfied (laughs) with the ending? And I have to say that going through, I was kind of rooting for the son to be able to save his dad, like Mm. from, from an accident so that he could have a future because, you know, he had a a future where he could um, really fully embrace music, where he could speak, where, you know, and also because he was so lonely in in a family where he was the only hearing child. Um, and so I really, the for most of the drama, like I was on board with, yes, save him, save him. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let him have that accident. So I was actually surprised that I was okay with the ending. And I actually loved the ending. So for all the reasons that you pointed out, right, yeah. is that- yeah. Know, when you read the translations and um, dig in a little bit deeper, like you can see how critically important it was for her to be able to break free of her family's sheltering and, you know, kind of abuse from the stepmom or whatever she is um, during that time period so that she could have earlier access to language instead of having to wait until she was older. Like, it it was that was the pivotal piece so uh, yeah I was happy with the ending actually but I was surprised that I was okay with the ending (laughs) (laughs) and it just for me it was um just taking a a step back and looking at it from the writer's perspective it was actually a very feminist approach because fixing the dad you know stopping his accident didn't wouldn't have changed anything like it was gonna happen it's kind of I mentioned it on the discord it's like doctor who it's a fixed point in time that was that accident was going to happen no matter what but by changing the mom's life and helping her develop the relationship with her dad that she never had that's Mm -hmm. what changed everything for the better and so you know I'm very used to consuming stories where if you know the man changes his ways then things get better but for for the for the mom to have her life changed and to then go forward and change so many other lives be through the access and the advocation that she needed to me. I mean, I love feminist stories and this is kind of subtle, but this is one of those things that I kind of did a fist bump once I, or a fist pump. There was yeah. no one to bump. I was watching by myself, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> just when I realized what had bumped. happened, because we would have, we would have bumped if we yeah, were there. We would have. Bumped. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just because, how often do you see that when you realize that it's the mom that's pivotal to changing everything? Even though we know that that's the case in real life. Right? We do, but how often do we get to see that? Just to add a little bit to what I already said, I think that the the one thing about him feeling lonely, a lot of that I feel like came from not feeling like he could pursue music and not feeling like they were okay with that and and also having to be the voice for them where because his mom and it when you have tri- time travel it's always like okay so he remembers this but obviously he i would assume this is my assumption of the he would then uh, absorb the memories of the the altered timeline and be able to to not always feel as lonely as he did with the way that their family mm-hmm. was before so the changing the family family dynamic and not just the only part is I'm like okay yes woo yeah they have money and <laughs> instead of the other way but they were very isolated they did not connect with her family his his grandmother had died he didn't have parents they didn't connect with his old friends so I feel like that part of it is part is what 
made him feel even more isolated as the only hearing person in the family. Whereas when the timeline was changed, that isolation, though it probably was still there and, and I'm, you know, a lot of CODA kids might be able to, to testify to that or to not, I, you know, I don't know, but that at least in that situation, I feel like the, the openness, the connection to his family, the connection to the friends, all of that, that's part of what changed. And that's where the mom being able to advocate for herself and other people and then being able to keep everybody in their lives really changed the dynamic of his childhood. And because again, they weren't unhappy as a family. He just had to keep that music part secret and felt lonely in, in a lot of situations. Whereas I think that's the part that needed to be changed for his his future of their family was that that loneliness and that disconnection to all of their past family members and friends and all of that. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Great. Also, can I say it was kind of hilarious when he woke up in the present time again and he still had his messenger bag on. <laughs> he's in bed and he's fully dressed. It's like, oh, really? anyway. did he have his messenger bag on? He totally did. Uh, okay. That's the only part of this. this sh- like, I get that the mom was off gallivanting around and they were doing their own thing so they eventually had to find but I really wanted that wake up moment and that really immediate like seeing his brother and his family like in the kitchen type scene right away and it took a while to kind of get them all together but they were it was still very heartwarming like when they were they were together at the Mm -hmm. the venue maybe a little bit more family moments less seeing people play on stage (laughs) (laughs) But it was his dad finally incorporating both sides, being deaf and still right. being. I, I enjoyed him. I didn't really need to. I mean, that was the whole point is he got to play with his his band members and all that kind of stuff. And they needed to give those actors another scene where they got to play, play and sing <laughs> on stage. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for joining us. We would love to hear what you thought about this episode and what you thought about Twinkling Watermelon if you watched it. You can reach us on Twitter, on Facebook. Facebook, I can do this. Or on our Patreon page. The links are in our show notes. We love blogging about Asian dramas, but behind the scenes, we have so much more to say. And we want to share it with you. And talking is so much faster than time.